This is the time, right, this week, right? It's quiet. The parties are over. The gifts are unwrapped. Some of them are getting used. Some of them are not getting used. And we're finding shelf space for them for the next three years. But we're looking at 2021. We're looking ahead. We're setting goals, setting expectations. And I think for many of us, we set a record for how early we started that. Right? Was it back in January that we started making plans for what we were going to do in 2021 when we could do things again? And I, saw, I read online in one place where no one is going to struggle putting the correct year come January. Sometimes we get mixed up and we, we carry over a little bit for a few weeks or months. Nobody is going to make that mistake. As soon as January 1st hits, we, we are in 2021. But, but we do this, right? Every year, the week after Christmas, we're settled, we're, we're slowing down, and we're looking ahead. And for many of us, that includes rebuilding. That includes a, a restart. We're unplugging and plugging it back in. If ever there was a year for that, it's this one. I think you said that, Dan. If ever there was a year for that we needed a fresh start, it's this one. And we're looking ahead. Now, in Ephesians 4, I think, I think Paul lays out what that can look like for us, right? Because we're, we're setting high expectations, Ashley said it in the beginning of December that she was supposed to turn 40 this year. That, she, that didn't happen, so she gets to do it again next year, however that works out. But she had plans to go to Disney, and I'm sure many of us had things that we wanted to do in 2020. Word for the year of 2021, hindsight, right? If we, if we all the things we wanted to do and couldn't do, now we're, we are going to live it up in 2021. Light at the end of the tunnel. We're moving ahead. But my question that I want to ask and hopefully answer is that what are we building that on? What are we looking to base all of that on? And as we're starting over, I think this is an opportunity for us to be encouraged and to build things from the foundation up in a new and better way. Because my hope for you is that you build on a solid foundation. That in 2021, that we grow into Christ. And so we're going to be looking at that in Ephesians 4. We're going to go 1 through 3 and then 11 through 16. Because I think Paul lays out some good things here that we can do. Because We've said it here again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. But this year, we have more of a blank slate than ever. We get a chance to do things differently. So we're going to read, starting with verse 1 through 3. Paul writes, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, 
with bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see that therefore? It's there for a purpose. Paul, for the first three chapters of Ephesians, has laid out all of his theological arguments. Everything that he's teaching the church at Ephesus, he lays out all of his, all of his main points in chapters 1 through 3. When he says, I therefore, I therefore, he's saying, in light of all of that stuff I just explained, in light of all of the things I taught you, in light of all the truths that I have revealed since the beginning of this letter, therefore, he starts this explanation with a plea. He's in prison. He calls himself a prisoner for the Lord. But at this time, he was also physically in prison. So he's in this, in this desperate state. But he begins these next three chapters. The rest of the book, laying out how to live. How to live out what he taught. How to live out these things that, that God has shown him. And the first thing that he says, the first thing he opens with this plea is to walk. Is to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have. Some of us don't even feel like getting up off the couch anymore. <laughs> we just need to sit for a minute. And I get that. But what Paul is saying is that we have a calling that's placed on our life. If you're sitting in this seat this morning, if you're part of Summit, you have been called. And that's not scary. That's amazing. That's encouraging. That's exciting that we have a call placed on our life that God has called us to. And what Paul is saying is you've been called. There's an expectation. Will you walk? Will you walk worthy of that calling? It's a high bar that he sets, but it's a glorious one, and it's one that I wish for all of you in this new year that we can live out, right? Because like I said, we want the best for you, absolutely, hands down, 100%. I don't want anything less for any of you. I often think when, when, when parents let their kids, you know, decide and when you think about the role of a parent and when I think about my role as a, as a father and raising kids in, in Christianity and I think, you know, I see arguments of let your kids decide what they want to do. I say, well, if it's my responsibility to bring them up, wouldn't I bring them up in what I think is best and right? Why would I do anything other then show them what I believe for myself to be right and true. And if I don't believe it to be right and true, well, then I need to have a conversation with myself. But he calls us to walk in a manner. And he lays that out in five, in five ways. There's five key attributes that are so fundamental to the way that we are to walk as a Christian. The first one is humility. He says it right there at the beginning. He opens with all humility. 
which is an interesting way to open a list. But I think it's important because if we don't have humility, everything else that follows is going to be more difficult. This is almost three years now that we've gone through the merger, and I wasn't even around when that started, but I've heard that what they said way back when is that if this thing was going to work at all, we would need to have humility. There would need to be humility in the way that we laid ourselves down, laid our preferences down for the betterment of the kingdom. Now this word humility is interesting because at the time, in the historical context, right, in the ancient world, in the Greek, that word was not a virtue. Not the way that we understand it today. Humility was seen as something that was negative, something that you didn't want to have. If you were humble, that was a bad thing. If you had humility, you did not want that. It's almost like the Christians and Christianity coined this term as a virtue. Because it's so contrary to what we know and understand. The thing is, only in pride comes contention. Only by humility comes love. Only by pride comes contention. Only by humility comes love. The King James Version uses the word lowliness instead of humility. A lowliness of ourselves. And so the more lowly-minded you are, the more like-minded we can become. Where humility says, it's not my way, it's his way. It's your way. And it becomes a virtue. It's something that we aspire to. The second word is gentleness or meekness. And that can be described as being able to respond in anger and choosing not to. Being able to respond in anger when my kids have friends over and they get excited and start throwing things around and then they come upstairs because somehow the TV broke. And so anger is the appropriate response in that situation. I promise you, I know these things. And yet gentleness says, in spite of that, I will not. (laughs) Now, sometimes I need gentleness from you because many of you know that I will oftentimes incite anger because of the things that I do or don't do. And I need to remember to display gentleness and meekness towards others. Again, a high calling, but one that we can aspire to. The other one, the third one is patience. Or long-suffering. Where we outlast each other in love. You outlast my forgetfulness. (laughs) We outlast each other. We are long-suffering with people. Because I hate to break it to you, but as humans... 
we try each other's patience. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've come across that. Um, maybe you've just been around amazing people that don't test your patience at all. Good for you. This is a church. There's people. We're going to test your patience. So be long-suffering. Yes, I'm asking you to suffer for a long time. Because there's, there's beauty in that, and there's love in that. And as we're going to see, that's how we grow and become like Christ. I love the line where Jesus says, how much longer do I have to be here on earth? <laughs> Talking to his disciples. And yet he stayed for as long as he did because of his love. Which is the fourth one. Right? We're walking in a manner. We have humility. We have gentleness. We have patience. The, the, the word that he uses for love here is unique, again, to the time that it was written. In Greek, there's five different words for love describing different kinds of love. There's, the, the, there's eros and, and um, uh, philia and, and uh, the, the brotherly kind of love, the intimate kind of love, the family kind of love. This one that he uses is unique. It's agape. We've heard that around because that's the kind of love that God has for us. But I saw one definition or translation for agape. Unconquerable benevolence. And I thought, oh man, shoot. <laughs> because my, my benevolence is often conquered by my frustration. <laughs> Unconquerable benevolence. Which goes... And all of these culminate, as we see in verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When we have all of those things, humility and gentleness and, and uh, gentleness or meekness and patience and long-suffering and love, it culminates and we have peace. Peace with each other. Which I think is so fitting coming out of Christmas. And looking at the world that we live in today. Where for many of us, we have not had peace. But my hope for you and my hope for Summit moving forward is that this is a place where people find peace. Where we are at peace with each other. So those are the, the, the five things that Paul calls us to walk in. The manner that we are to, to walk in. But he goes on. There's more that he calls us to. It's something more specific. That's at a corporate level. He addresses the individual first. Right? In these one through three, he, he's talking to people, individuals. You, as, a, as an individual, this is the way that you walk. And then in verse 11, we see it at a, as a corporate level of how we do that. Now I'm going to read verses 11 through 16 to set the stage for that. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by the every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that it builds itself up in love. What's the second thing here? He's talking individually about walking. Then he moves on in verses 11 through 14 into building the body. Right? So I talked about how at the end of this year, some of us feel so battered and broken that we don't even know where to start. But what we can do and what God is calling us to as the church is to build the body. We see there as he, laid, as he lays it out that the saints are equipped to do the ministry. And the purpose of ministry is to build the body. Do you see how that gets carried out? By the saints. By you. You're a part of this. God has called you. You have a purpose and a value and a role that you can play that God is saying, come, be a part of this. You matter. They're equipped by leadership, but they build the body. To what end? What are we building this body for? What's the purpose? Right? What is the purpose? What is the goal The first thing that he lays out is the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son. This refers back to earlier in the chapter, in verse uh, 4 and 5, where Paul lists that there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. It's not complicated. And the more we get into divisions and the more we try and separate and make things more complex, we get into problems. God is calling us to unity with each other in the faith so that we have one faith that unites us and knowledge of his son. Because if we have anything else, we're in trouble. Unity of the faith and knowledge of the son. I want to believe the same thing as you. I want us to believe and pull in the same direction. I want us to have unity of the faith so that we can be aligned towards what God is calling us to. The second thing is maturity. To mature manhood. Now maturity and adulthood, they're not as fun as we like to think. But there's blessings. There's things that we can accomplish in maturity. 
the natural tendency, the natural flow of the Christian life is growth towards maturity. It's like when you're in a pool and everybody's going around in the circle making the whirlpool and you start to feel the current. That's the Christian life is that pull around. And what happens is that sometimes we get frustrated and want to hang on and stop the current and everybody gets mad at you because you're making it more difficult. But you feel that where you're pulled along and that's what God is calling us to, is to come and to grow and to mature. And as frustrating as that can be when we're faced with that, I'm thankful there's a God who doesn't want to leave me where I am. I'm thankful for a God that says to me, you've reached it. Congratulations, you're at the end. Uh, I hope not. (laughs) I hope not. And I know that there's so much more that God has to show for all of you. So much more that he wants to do in your life. Which for many of us this year, we have felt like we have been stuck, off the rails, not growing, taking one step back and ten, uh, t- taking one step forward and ten steps back. But there's a, there's a goal in this. As we build the body, there's an aim. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. How amazing is that? God is calling us to the fullness of Christ. All that Christ is. All that Christ signifies. Now don't worry because we're not going to become perfect. That's not going to happen. But we can still grow towards that. And the last thing that we grow towards and the last thing that we build ourselves is to adulthood. And notice that at the, in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children because children are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now we can get into those different things, winds of doctrine and cunning and craftiness of deceitful schemes, But why I'm preaching this message and why I'm I'm sharing this with you is because I don't want that for you. I want you growing into adulthood where when things come along and we get knocked around, we're not tossed to and fro. We don't have to be. We can be anchored in Christ and built in Him into His likeness So that we're rooted and grounded. And the things that would normally knock us around don't. Now the the third thing that Paul calls us to is in verses 15 and 16. Where he calls us, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. The ultimate goal of the Christian life is to grow into an image of Christ. Where when people see you... They don't see you. When they look at Henry, they say they see Jesus. That's what I want to see. And I see that so often, the way that you are. And for many of you, I see Jesus in you. 
And I want everybody to see that in all of us as we grow, that there's more of Christ and less of me. Now, there's four things in this, too, that we see. The first is that it's, we grow up by speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Because if we speak the truth without love, we're going to be hurting people, we're going to be uh, condemnational, we're going to be judgmental, and we're going to miss it. And the truth that people have to hear and will hear and that we want them to hear They're not going to hear it because we're not speaking it in love. The other side of that, if we have love without truth, and we just want to tell people what they want to hear, that's not love at all. Because I'm not giving you the truth. And if I really loved you, I would want you to know the ultimate truth, the the biggest truth, which is the gospel, and it's Jesus And so that might be hard for us to hear sometimes. But we need to speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. The second thing, into him who is the head. Which goes back to as we build the body, now into him who is the head, which is Christ. So as we equip you, and as you grow, and as you build the body, and as as you are built up by the body, if we're not growing into Christ, we're off. I don't care if this is the biggest church in the state of Maine. If we are not heading towards Christ, and if we are not growing into Christ, then it's all for nothing. And as we grow, it doesn't matter how slowly we grow. As long as we're on that line, whether it's a rose or a redwood, as long as it's in Christ is what's important. Nothing else we need except for that. The third thing that he talks about as we grow into Christ, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. By every joint with which it is equipped, it's held together. We are all joints in this body. Think of how many joints we have and need in order for us to function. Now, I think some of us feel like maybe we're a little arthritic and our joints aren't working as well as they used to, and they creak and they squeak. And we feel out of place and disjointed where we've been separated and struggling and I'm not working as well as I used to and I don't fit in and I, I notice that every time I move, it cracks. And we feel like that in the body of Christ and everybody looks at us when we don't move the right way. And I'm here to tell you, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Where you are and the way that you work is important. And I think about all the people that, that, are, that are home and, and are staying home. And the isolation that so many of us have felt this year. Where we don't feel valuable and we don't feel important. And we don't feel like we can do anything and contribute. Saying that God still is using you and you're still a part of this church. And you still can, can do something that matters. 
And so my prayer for us as we go into this, into this new year is that you, in your joint, in the way that you are holding this body together, that you see your value, and you say, I can be used, I can do something, It's interesting that he's using this metaphor because the smallest bones in the body are located in your inner ear. There's three or four small, tiny bones, the smallest in your body, but it's the smallest bone that enables us to hear. And we think we might want to be something that's important, but I value my hearing. And so I'm thankful that even a small, tiny bone, the least of all the parts of my body, enables me to do something amazing. I'd heard it, too, with uh, the band Casting Crowns. I don't know if you know them. But they used to be a youth worship team, which is pretty amazing. (laughs) that they were a youth worship team. But they had, a, they had a team of volunteers that would be at the church when they would go and sing for, the, for their youth group. And they had people that would help set them up. And one of them was a high school uh, teenager. He, was, he, would, he would be there and he made his mom drive him every week early before service so that he could go and set up. His role, the only thing that he was responsible for was setting up microphones, which is a big deal, but it was this one thing, and he latched onto it, and when his mom was asking him, like, why do you feel like you need to be there so early? Like, why do you need to go there every week? And he understood that his role, as small and as specific as it was, contributed to the service and was important, because if he didn't do that, then everything else would be thrown off. So it's held together with every joint. Which leads to the last piece as we grow. That we get to a point where we are so in Christ that his love in us enables the body to build itself up in love. And then the wording in this is a little tricky, but he says, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, right? So we're growing into Christ. That's our goal. That's our direction. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love where I'm building you up in love and you're building me up in love and you're looking across at the person next to you and you're building them up in love. Where Christ permeates us so much that the church is just self-edifying and self-building. Mutual love among Christians is a great friend to spiritual growth. I'll say that again. Mutual love among Christians is a great friend to spiritual growth. It is in love that the body edifies itself. We say that here often. The body is most effective when the body ministers to the body, which has been difficult in so many ways 
and we get it wrong so many times, but I am thankful that this church has been loving the body. And we felt that, and I know many people have felt that. Because a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So if we do not love each other, this church is not going to grow. One of my favorite verses is in John 13, where he says, By this the world will know that you are my disciples. If you love each other. And I always come back to that. Because now, more than ever, we need to build each other up in love. So many of us are struggling. So many of us are in a situation where we need the church to come around us and alongside of us. Where this year has been hard. And we need the church to be the church. And I'm committing to that, and I hope you are too. Because the beauty of the church is that we all serve together. There's no one more special. The footing is equal at the foot of the cross. We all play a part. Everyone has a role. No one at Summit should feel like they don't belong. And I'm sorry if you have felt that way. I am sorry if you have felt like you were not utilized, if you were not included, if you were not valued or invited to grow the church. We don't always get that right. But anyone, everyone is important to the ministry and has a role to play. And that can be in a multitude of ways. There's no limit to the way that you serve. Just as everyone has different needs, we all have different gifts. Even if you're the smallest bone in the body. I know of one person in in particular who's going around and delivering peanut butter fudge. Because that's what they can do right now. And they're doing it. And they're ministering and they're serving. And for some people, that's a ministry. <laughs> there's, another, there's another example where we got an email recently uh, from someone in Virginia. Her name is Liana. We got an email from her dad. And I had never heard of Liana. I don't know Liana. I've driven through Virginia. But they emailed us a picture because she's getting uh, chemo treatment. She's young, like 12, 13. And she sent, uh, he sent us a picture of Liana wrapped up in a prayer shawl that someone from Summit sent her. And he went on in this email about how thankful he was for that church in Maine, for someone who knitted that and prayed over it and sent it to her and how much comfort it brings her. I think of so many ways that Summit has grown and has built itself up in love where we had over 70 people blessed by gift cards that were donated. 70 people suffering and and trapped in human trafficking and, and victims of human trafficking that we took donations for. 
where we had a restaurant that, that knows Summit and donated food and we went and delivered it with socks and mittens that we were able to, to go and set up in a parking lot and when we ran out of mittens, they would take the socks and, and put it on their hands to keep warm and we were able to do that because of you. Where we were able to go and deliver gift cards to schools and police stations and fire departments where we were able to, I mean, this was back in March that we went to, to Maine Med and dropped off food. Where we've delivered dozens of boxes of cookies because someone in the church likes to bake, which I'm thankful for that ministry as well. <laughs> I, I'm a recipient of that. And there's so many people who say, I want to I serve, I want to give. What can I do? And they use the gifts and the talents that God has given them to bless the church. And, I'm, and, and, and I'm, I'm using those as examples, not to shame us, but to, 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 to encourage us with what God can do and what he's calling us to. Because as much as I'm blessed by that, it builds me up and I go and bless others. And it's that cycle, that continual cycle is as we give and receive, then we go and we give and receive. So my prayer for you and my challenge for you as you're looking at this new year and thinking about how am I going to live in this new year? Maybe we want to do things differently. One option is to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which God has called us and to see how God shows up and moves. And that list is not exhaustive. I, 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 I know there's so many, I can't even think of all of the things that this church has done for others and for, for people in the church. I'm blown away. I'm blown away. But it's when God moves us. So my question for you is, will you walk? Will you allow yourself to be built up? And will you help build up others? Will you grow? Will you say things are going to be different next year? As hard as it is, I'm taking the ruins of 2020 and I'm making something beautiful out of it. I'm going to close with 1 Peter 5.10 because I think this is an, ap an application right here. Because after this year, we need to be rebuilt. And there's no better way to do that than in the church. If I thought otherwise, I would tell you. If I thought there was a better path for you, I would tell you, trust me, I love you that much to say, try this, do it this way, walk, build, grow, say yes to being different. Can you do that here? Can you do that at Summit? And there may have been times in the past where you've been disappointed and let down and 
you're on your guard and saying, I'm not going through that again. It didn't work out last time. But what role is the church going to play in your life next year? How can you grow up in Christ? My plea for you as we close this service, as we close this year, is that you grow into him. We're going to be singing a song at the end called Build My Life. And there's nothing else that you should build your life on than Christ and his church. Speak truth in love. God ordained this formula where as we grow into Christ, he then turns around and empowers the church to then build itself up in love to his glory. God will meet you at the level of your expectation. And so you have a chance to look for more, to plug in, to connect, to go deeper. And I promise you there's good at the end of that. You can keep digging and as much as you dig, God will always have more blessings that he shows you. More blessings that he pours out the more you commit and plug in. So 1 Peter 5.10 goes like this. And after you have suffered for a little while, amen, the God of all grace of all grace, who has called you, you, he has called, to his eternal glory in Christ. Doesn't fade, doesn't fall away, doesn't pass away. Will himself restore, he's going to restore you. He's going to confirm you. He's going to strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. When we turn to Christ, he's going to restore, he's going to confirm, he's going to strengthen and establish you. Let's pray. God, so many of us have suffered for a little while. And we don't know where to start. We don't know where to pick up the pieces. Can we turn to you? Can we look at what you're calling us to? This promise of a future, of maturity, of fullness of Christ. God, what a promise that is. Lord, I pray that we build our life on you. As the song goes, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken. God, I pray that over this church, as we finish this year, as we look ahead, Lord, that this is a year of growth, where people say, I'm doing things differently. I'm coming out of this darkness that I've been in and I'm ready to step. I'm ready to walk. Lord, may you empower them. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.